morning. Am I on? Yes, I am. Morning. It is great to be with you. Uh, Tim, the one thing you forgot, we've got an a entrepreneurial course. If you want to be in business and you want to do it well, uh, we've got a course that Erica's leading. You can get all the details uh, on our social, but we'd love to have you on that. But um, before I get into today, is there anybody who either represents or has someone who's really sick at the moment? Because we've got Derek Mayo. Uh, he's going in for an op tomorrow. My wife's got tick bite fever, which is really annoying because I'm looking after the kids. And, uh, but uh, anyone, if you represent someone who's sick, why don't you just stand up? We're just going to pray quickly in, in faith. Take some of you a while to work out that you represent someone sick. <laughs> Glad, healthy upstairs, downstairs, not so. It was a very quick word. Okay. I want to I pray this. And I just as you come before God, for someone else, often we disqualify the work that God wants to do because we're so unholy. And just, uh, I want you to have this in mind. I, uh, I went to a very prestigious place for New Year's Eve. And uh, they had a million protocols that you had to fill in. But um, the person I went with was the owner. And so when I got to the protocols, he said, oh, don't worry, and we walked in. When you go before the Father, there are a lot of protocols that you have to pass, unless you're with Jesus, because Jesus just goes, oh, don't worry. So now when we pray, we're going to pray in faith, because Jesus goes, I got this for you. So Jesus, I just lift people up who are sick, they're coming for operations, a lot of different diseases. We just pray right now as we stand in faith that they will be healed in Jesus' name, and we just release the power of God in that. Amen. Amen. Well done for standing. Uh, I'm really excited about this series, and uh, I'm going to depress you in a moment. That's, uh, I'm excited. I'll depress you, and then I'll make you happy again. But uh, in order to get you into the vibe, I'm going to read a text, and we're going to read this text every single week of the series, and so it's five verses that I want you to like, I hope these verses haunt you. That's really what I hope happens. It is a promise of God, and it is a warning from God. So I'm going to ask you to stand for the Word of God. I'm going to read it of you, and then we're going to get into this series. It goes like this, Jeremiah 17:5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Thank you for standing. You can grab your seats. Uh, I want to talk to you about you being a tree planted by streams. I've got this picture. Um, I, I grew up in Zim where these Ficus sycamores, fig trees. They're all over the show. They, they grow especially near rivers. And they're always like that, green. They provide shade in drought. They provide shade when it floods. They are beautiful trees. 
And when I thought about this year, I thought to myself, this year, I don't want to be like a Ferrari. I want to be like a tree. Stable, deeply rooted, and able to provide shade for my family, for people who come near. I, I, I want to actually cast a vision for you that this year you would go, I want to be an evergreen. When everybody around me is wobbling, I want to be so deeply rooted in God that I'm just solid. When everything, when social media is exploding, I want to be like an anchor. I just want to be an evergreen tree, stable, strong, well-watered, and flourishing. This is the year to be a tree. You're going to go home. What was the vision? What did he say this year? We're going to be trees. <laughs> I want you to be a tree. If you're single, I want you to find another tree and interlink your roots. And if you're married, I want you to stay and just get more stable. Have vision for your marriage. Have vision for your friendships. Have vision that you will be like a tree. But this comes with T's and C's. So I want to dive into this verse. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Now, the reason I want to, I want to dive into this is because it's got that word confidence. And we call the series Confidence. And the reason we have to talk about confidence is because our confidence got shaken a little. In fact, uh, this is where I depress you. I asked my creative team to just get me a whole bunch of headlines around politics, economics, uh, crime, uh, education, people leaving the country, and divorce. Just, just throw them up there. And my creative guy, he, he sent me a message back. Ross, your sermon better be darn good because right now I'm wanting to leave the country. Uh, we have lived through a year of this stuff of wonderful Eskim challenges. Like if you looked at South Africa, it's like a disco. Lights on there, not there. It's just all over the show. We have gone through how many, 23,000 people leaving our country every year, for, for mostly from minority groups. We, we have watched almost everything get shredded and taken away. And when you think about it, we are not massively confident. But I believe that this promise from Scripture allows us to get a different kind of confidence. A confidence that will set you so apart from how you used to be confident that it will establish you in a way that people will look at you and go, I want that. That's what the next six weeks is going to be about. And so we are going to dive into it. But to, to get you into the mood, there are, there, th there are a few different kinds of confidence. There's the confidence that India came into the cricket this year with. I don't know if you saw how the Indians came in. Like, they are the best in the world. We give it to them. And they came in, and they walked confidently, and they talked confidently, and in their first game, they were very confident, and they batted confidently. But it was misplaced confidence. Because they didn't know that we had an oak about this big and another oak about this big. Both were very angry. I don't know if you saw that. They didn't smile once the whole time. The oak this big was spraying it all over the show and they couldn't bat against him. And the oak this big was too ignorant of how good the Indians were to do badly. You, you know how ignorance is bliss? That was his situation. He just, he just smashed it. And I watched how the confident got broken because they misplaced their confidence. Wonderful. But you get different kinds of confidence. You get self-confidence. 
so when I was 13, 14, I, I, I grew up on a farm with no girls around there. Mom, that's it. And then I, I went to a boarding school 500 kilometers away. Three women teachers. The rest were like, those are a problem. It was just not a lot there. And then I remember coming home, and now I'm like 14, and there's a jaw. But the problem is, when you're 14, most of your body hasn't grown into other parts of your body. I don't know if you remember, like you're, you're still growing into your teeth, your eyes suddenly shut out, like your, your arms got longer, but your shoulders stayed the same. Like everything is, is slightly pear-shaped, just slightly. And you, sorry if you're 14, it's just part of the trade. You, you're going to grow out of it, don't worry. And uh, I was about to go to this party, and... Um, the guy working for my dad could see how nervous I was because I'm utterly clueless. And so he looks at me and he can see like the seniors have shaved my head so I'm, that's not going well because I got like a cone head. It was wonderful for rugby and nothing good for anything else. If I tackled you, you hurt. It was just, just helpful. But uh, he could see that I was going into this clueless. And so he pulls me aside. And some of you who've been single for a long time need to listen to this. He, he says to me, he says, Russ, this is what I want you to do. Be yourself and be confident. And go and talk to every girl there, whether there's not a chance in the world that you'll ever date them or a huge chance. You just go talk to every single girl. Be friendly, be confident, be yourself. And maybe one day, there'll be a woman short-sighted enough <laughs> to date you. You see, the thing about confidence is it takes your hot or not score about three points up out of the 10, which is important for some of you. You're like, you need to get it above five. It's just confidence is powerful. Confidence will serve you. I'm sorry, some of you looking at me, you don't like me right now. I really am trying to help. Confidence is powerful, and you get self-confidence, and you get borrowed confidence. Borrowed confidence comes when someone you respect or love looks at you and says, you've got what it takes, let me open up an opportunity. That's borrowed confidence. Borrowed confidence can come from people, it can come from technology, it can come from systems, it can come from the environment. You know, back when the world used to make sense, when A plus B equals C, you remember those days, pre-COVID? You knew that if I worked hard and I had a good product, I would make money. Some of you entrepreneurs, you remember that day. When you know that this formula works, you can then start to use that formula to make your life work. That is taking, that's borrowing confidence from your environment. You can, if you learn how to take selfies, right, I, I don't know how to, but I have watched some of you, it's incredible. It's just a beautiful moment. It, you can borrow confidence from technology so that your TikTok account will work. You don't have Instagram, Facebook, most of you. Okay, you can use technology to make something work. That is borrowed confidence. The problem with borrowing things is they generally come at interest, with interest. 
And so you spend your life, you borrow confidence, but then once he's believed in me once, I need him to believe in me next Sunday when I get up and preach, and then I need him to believe in me the next Sunday. And, and what inevitably starts to happen is that I need him more than he needs me, and I begin serving him instead of serving God, and so you live owing people. Then there's God confidence. Now I want to take you through a journey, because I believe that God takes us on a journey from borrowing confidence to self-confidence to God-confidence. And that journey kind of goes all over the show, but where God wants to land us is in God-confidence, stripped away from borrowed confidence and stripped away from self-confidence, confidence in the flesh. He doesn't want us to have that anymore. And the way I'm going to look at this is through the story of David. Now, whether you've been in church your whole life or you've never been to church, you know this story. Because David and Goliath, there are series called Goliath. Like the Goliath, David and Goliath, that story is told everywhere. You, you know the story of David and Goliath, but you may not know the starting point and the conversations he had to get to slay Goliath. And so I'm going to turn in Scripture to 1 Samuel 17, 33. And those two of you who brought your Bibles, you can turn there with me. David has seen this Philistine shout out to Israel, come on, send me a man. Why should two armies fight? Just bring me one man that I can fight him. I defy the armies of the living God is what he shouts. David sees, he hears there's a bonus if you, if you fight this dude, and he goes, I'll do it. So Saul, the king at the time, calls him over, and he says this to him, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and res rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Basically, I am hardcore, way more hardcore than you know. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, I want to call some people uncircumcised. Anyway, <laughs> will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. See, what I love about David is he has absolute confidence in God. The God who rescued me from the bear and the lion will rescue me from this oak. The thing that is to his advantage is that he doesn't understand that warriors don't fight like lions and bears. Ignorance is bliss. A, a lot of what people will do because they don't know that they should fail causes them to succeed. Ignorance from far away can look like confidence. David is ignorant. Some of you are young and ignorant. Keep it that way. Just stay ignorant for the rest of your life. Keep doing stupid things for God that actually should never work and watch and make them work. It is beautiful. David is confident in God. He's also confident in his sling. When you've swung something enough times, and you've hit the mark enough times. You get confident in it. So he's confident in God. He's confident in his ability. But then Saul does what the world does to us the whole time. Saul goes, 
You're just a boy. The rand has just collapsed. It hasn't, but gave us a few worries. Corruption has just gone off the charts. ESCOM, <laughs> for a long time, been going down the trends. The world will show you every single reasonable hole in your ability and your environment. And then it will usually offer you something that you can buy to compensate for your lack. So Saul comes to David and he says, you are just a boy, but I have some armor. I want you to think, he's a youngster. And a king is saying to him, take my armor. Can you imagine the prestige of walking out in the king's armor, with the king's sword? But David has the wisdom to know that if he relies on that, he'll fail. And so he says to him, it doesn't fit. And the reason David's able to do that is because David has been spending night after night writing songs of praise to God as he looks up into the sky and sees the incredible expanse of all that God has created and he rescues sheep from lions and bears. He started to see that God is creator and he is big and he is with me and he loves me and song after song has declared the glory of God. He's been singing to God and he's been full of thanksgiving. And when you're full of thanksgiving, it overwhelms the situation and you're able to say to the world, thanks but no thanks. But when you are overwhelmed with the voice of the world, does anyone have anyone in their life who it feels like see all your lack? Do, do any of you have? Don't, don't do this. <laughs> but if, if anyone's ever had someone who just feels like they are looking for what you don't have, it, like it's, you feel like you're walking on eggshells because you're always getting judged and you know you're going to get caught out. The world is kind of like that. And the better you do, the more you get of that. And so if you want to live the Christian life effectively, you have to be so full of thanksgiving. God, you did this, you did that, you killed the bear, you helped me kill the lion, you've been with me in the stars, you've been with me with the sheep, you've been with me every day. God, you are so good, why would I need that? You have to be so full of this that when the criticism comes, you don't go to... Borrowing confidence. David is full of thanksgiving. And so he doesn't need the selfie to get him through. And so he takes on Goliath. But now I want to go a little bit deeper. My wife always tells me that I preach two to three sermons in every sermon. But when she goes to restaurants, I've noticed that she likes the food to look good. And I couldn't give a rip about how the food looked they must make the decor look nice. I just want a meal that is going to fill me up, and then I'm going to walk home, and I'm just going to want to go to sleep because mukhi's for okhi's too. Like, that's what I'm wanting. So, so my two sermons are coming into one sermon. I want, I want to go a little bit deeper. I don't know if David had known 
what killing Goliath would do for the next 13 years of his life? I don't know if he would have killed Goliath. I think he may have said to God, God, have you seen my mate James over there? Because that oak is a legend. You should try him. Because David goes through a test with Goliath. That's a test. I know we don't talk about tests that much in church, but understand this. God is testing you all the time. He is testing you so that you'll understand where you are. And he's testing you because he mostly wants to promote you. He wants to give you more of him. But he has to test you to see if you can handle it. So he gives David Goliath, and David passes. His faith is bigger than his fear, so he takes him out. And then God goes, awesome. God does this to us too. As soon as you pass a test, he makes your life worse. So he goes, cool, you took out Goliath. Now I've got a present for you. Abandonment, rejection, failure, wilderness, desert. Aren't you excited? <laughs> this is what I found in my Christian faith. It's, it's amazing. Ross, I'm calling you to ministry. You ready? Rejection, here we come. Like, hey, he, he just does this. You know why? Because God is trying to wean us off borrowed confidence and wean us out of self-confidence and bring us into his confidence. When all you've got is left is confidence in God, you are in a very free place. You're not paying interest back. There's no one controlling you. You've been stripped to a place of what the Bible calls maturity. It's faith and confidence in God and God alone. So let me tell you the story of David. He kills Goliath. It goes well for a week. He hooks up with Saul's daughter. Then he gets chased out of the palace Loses his wife, loses everything he has. Oh, in the process, he gets anointed as king. Anointed for a palace, live in a cave. That's basically what happens. And for 13 years, some of you have been like single for eight. Just think, 13 years. For 13 years, he is on the run, living amongst his enemies, and his best mates are all fugitives from jail, basically. So he's, he's with Oaks from the Bluff. It's, it's like... <laughs> oh, we love you people from the Bluff. Thank you for keeping us very grounded. Or high, I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> and everywhere he turns, he gets a little bit of success and then gets stripped. A little bit of success and then gets stripped. And one day, he goes to attack Israel, actually, with the Philistines. Now, we don't know what his plan was. Maybe he was going to turn the Philistines. We're not sure. But he gets there, and the king said to him, we don't want you. If you turn on us, Israel will ex accept you back. Go home. So he gets his 300 men, fugitives, and he walks them back to where they camped. And when he gets to where they camped, the kids and the wives and all the, everything they own has been plundered by the Amalekites. 
which is basically a jihadist group. It's really what's going on. These are nomads. They rape, they kill, they pillage. They go from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, and then they come back around to you. This is the Amalekites. And at that time, David's men, his 300 mates, want to kill him. They're so distraught that they blame David. And so David does this. He goes, the Bible says, he strengthens himself in the Lord. He basically goes, I know you dudes want to kill me. Just hang on. I need to go write a song. <laughs> Literally. And he pens Psalm 27. And I want to read this psalm to you. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but I'm going to read a chunk of it. He writes this. Imagine, those folks want to kill you. They're over there. You've just kind of hidden yourself away for a little while. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. I will remain confident. And then he says this, my father and my mother abandoned me. You know, when you study David, you realize he was rejected in that family. His starting place was rejection. There are some people who, when they feel rejection, they feel hurt. And there are others, when they feel rejection, they feel devastated. If you start off in rejection, the likelihood of you feeling rejection as devastating is very high. David starts there, but he has a relationship with God that so heals his rejection that he's able to take this and turn it to God and overcome. And there are some of you here who rejection has robbed you of life. And I feel like God's saying, strengthen yourself in me mostly through worship, and I will heal your rejection so that you can handle it like a normal person. That's just out there. He says this, My father and mother abandoned me, but you, Yahweh, you, God, took me in and made me yours. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David has gone from passing the test of not borrowing confidence to this place now where he's passing the test of not relying on his sling. He's not relying on his ability anymore. Now all he's got is confidence in God. And now he's ready to be king. Because in this moment, he passes the test, and in the next moment, he is made king. Now, something fascinating happened to me during COVID. Everyone got smoked in COVID. Everybody in different ways. It's just weird in church. I'll tell you why. Because I know you just come to kind of suss out and you like Justy and the worship and some of you even like me. And anyway, I know you guys just come to watch, but we think you're all our family. So you keep coming and we feel like you're not just like the people we preach to, you're the people we live with. And then you go and move. 
You go to other countries, other cities, other churches, and we feel like half our heart went away too. And so over COVID, I just went, who are you? Like, I love all of you new people. It's wonderful. You've become family like the, the others were. But, but we got shredded because we trusted and borrowed confidence. And anyway, I got to the place the one day where I just went, Lord, I'm stripped. My heart is in tatters. Rejection is deep. And I felt God say to me, help is coming. That's what he said, help is coming. And I gripped onto that one word because now I didn't have any ability and I didn't have any confidence to borrow. So all I had was one word, help is coming. Now I won't lie to you, I was dreaming of Fiji every other day and I was thinking about a kite surfing business and I had lots and lots, I have so many good ideas. Anyway, I was, I was dreaming of lots and lots of businesses. But I just went, I'm just going to hold on to that one word. You know what began to happen, I realized? I woke up one day, and I realized, man, I have been so stripped of borrowed confidence. I just, I can't live for that anymore. And I've been so stripped of self-confidence. It's funny how much I don't trust in my ability now. If you knew, you would be scared of coming to church. I was just like, oh, maybe. And I woke up and I realized, oh, this is what freedom feels like. Freedom is when your confidence is in God. And there's not much else you can put it in. And when that confidence grows, when that help began to come, you know what you start to go? Bring on Goliath. Bring on the bear. Bring on the lion. Bring on the wilderness. He stripped me and rebuilt me so that I can be a tree with its roots going deep into the soil of his love and I can bring shade. I want you to bring shade. And so I want to pray for you. And if you don't know Jesus, you really need him. You need a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You need a guy who's going to bring you into the prestigious place and say, don't worry about it. I got you. And so before I pray for people to commit themselves to being confident in him and not in them and not in borrowing, I just want to say, is there anyone here who... Maybe you've drifted from God. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you were bullied into coming today. But you have a sense that God is calling you. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hand so that I can pray with you. Is there anybody who either wants to come? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Cool. Cool. I see your hand. For those people who pray, who lifted their hands, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, Thank you for coming to make a way to the Father. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you that you bring me straight into the presence of God so that I can call him Dad confidently. And God, I pray that you will take my life and you will reshape it 
to live confidently in you and you alone. Change me, Lord. Amen. Well done for those people who lifted, who lifted their hands. Well played. Now for the others of us. I don't expect everyone to stand, but I do expect some of you to stand. For some of us, our confidence has been in our ability or a system. Saul's armor, our business, uh, our getting cryptocurrency, our, our something. You've put faith into something. It is fine to have something. God curses. There's a curse for you putting your trust in something else. There's a difference. I think crypto and all of those things, wonderful. I think putting your trust in that and getting my money offshore in my business, whatever it is, when you put trust in something else, you're borrowing confidence. And, and the curse is this, you'll be like a bush in the wasteland, and when prosperity comes, you will not see it. It's not that prosperity won't come, it's that you will not see it. You'll live with a barrenness of heart. And for some of us, you've got to the place where you're going, this year, I'm going to trust in God and God alone. I've been trusting in this, I've been trusting in that, it doesn't work. Dogecoin was dodgy, didn't help. God, if that's you, I want you to stand, and I'm going to pray for you. So, Lord Jesus, for every person standing, Lord, they're making a decision to step into you maturing them and setting them free to trust in you alone. I pray, Jesus, that right now you fill them with your spirit. You send ministering angels to war on their behalf. behalf and I ask that you set their hearts alight. In Jesus' name. Lord, make them like a forest of evergreen trees. I bless you, Lord. Amen.